This is the smell of a warm three-day-old egg salad sandwich in a wimpy trash bag. Wimpy, wimpy, wimpy. Blech. And this is the smell of that same sandwich in a hefty, ultra-strong trash bag with new Fabuloso lemon scent. Hefty, hefty, hefty. Ah, <sighs> smell the difference? When life gives you stinky, get hefty, ultra-strong with new Fabuloso lemon scent. It smells like clean, freshly picked lemons. So no matter what's inside your trash, you can stop the stink and smell the lemon. Blog Talk Radio. Good morning. This is Gail Sylvia, host of SylviaGlobal.com Radio. I'm so excited to be here in Las Vegas today and introducing you to an incredible, absolutely gifted um, young lady. Her name, she's the songstress, absolutely hands down the songstress. Daisy Via um, is a, a music, uh, she's a songwriter, a musician. She is an uh, she's worked on soundtracks. Daisy, thank you so much for being here with us today. How are you? Great. Thank you for having me. Oh, Good it's day, wonderful everyone. to have you. Yeah, yeah, thanks so much for being here. You know, you're serious about mu- your musical tendencies. You've got serious yeah. musical tendencies. <laughs> <laughs> tell, us, tell, us, tell us why you're in Las Vegas. Um, well, I'm actually in Las Vegas recording for this a new album that I'm doing. It's a dance album. And um, I'm recording at Odds On Recording Studios, and it's amazing. It's where Celine Dion has recorded recently, Lady Gaga, Santana. And it just feels so great to be in this multi-million dollar facility in the space of, you know, where other artists that I look up to have been recording. Recording with Sean Armstrong and um, uh, Bobby, uh, I think Bobby Ferrari is his name, and the track is made by William Maynard. It's a dance track, but... It's going really well, and it just feels good to be out here recording. Well, how long have you been a singer, songwriter, performer? Well, um, since professionally, my first gig was I was like eight years old to my dad because he was a music engineer, and um, that's how it really began. And I wrote my first song around that age, and just... You know, poems, that's how I started writing poems and then just putting them to music. And I never really got professional, um, like, actual practice, you know, but I did take classes as I got older to refine my, you know, my talent because there's a big difference between having talent or being someone that actually went to school for it. And there's a happy medium. I think that it should have a little bit of both, the element of... What's the biggest difference? I think, well, if you have something already innate in you, it's in your instinct and you're born with it, it just comes across more real and delivered with this authentic feeling. Rather than if you just learn it um, or you studied it really hard, but you don't have that inner fire passion that was inborn in you, I feel it can, it can, you can, you need a little bit of both to have this, the way it comes across. That's why some of the best artists they were just naturally always expressing themselves as they were young and and as they developed themselves, they become better. Of course, I'm not saying at all that it's not good that, you know, it's good to study because there's somebody else who's getting better than you if you don't go study, you know.
Stacey, Hello? about, yeah, I'm here listening to mm-hmm. you really closely. How did you find your voice? Um, I guess just the different artists that I was listening to when I was younger, just having different people around me, I realized that, <clears throat> like, my voice wasn't the normal kind of voice because even when I was in school at a younger age, I auditioned for the choir and I didn't make it. But then three years later, like, the I, I was singing and the choir teacher was like, I want to do a jazz band around you. You have something different about you. I would always hear, oh, you have this tone. You have this different tone. And I guess it's just over time you you become confident and you, you know, you love to love to learn more and really listen to yourself, not just try to imitate other artists that are out there. Were, did your parents encourage you, you know, since your father was also in the industry? You know, that's really funny. It's a very, that's a very touchy subject because I come from immigrant parents. Um, they were very, like, pro-education. And um, when, of course, when I followed my music, they were not, the were they disappointed? Yeah. Were they yeah, they were very disappointed, yes, because I was um, in school and college. I was pre-med, and I was studying to be a doctor. And I dropped all that to do my music. And how long and, did it cause um, tension, and what kind of family discussions did you have to work through? Because I think you're not the only one, and there yeah. are listeners who may be struggling with finding their own voice and their own life course you know, but understanding they carry a legacy of hope from previous generations that may not be compatible. Right, and it, it, that's a good point because I have to be sensitive. Like, I think at the time I was not mindful. Like, I thought maybe my parents weren't supportive of what I wanted to do. Or, But, it's, but now that I'm a, a bit older and a little bit wiser, <laughs> I can see their perspective and the, where they were coming from and see it with love and forgiveness and not that they were trying to, stifle me or hold me back from my gifts, you know, because ultimately whatever is going to happen is meant to be, if it's inborn in you and it's burning bigger than anything else, you're going to do it, you know, and it's better to, to do it than to not do it and then wonder what would have happened if you, you know, if you had tried. So my my thing is just, again, having that communication, like with if there's kids out there that want to do music and their parents are like, no, don't. There has to be a way to find a happy medium because I got better grades because of music, and then music programs being taken out of schools these days, it's just, it's really sad. That's why I'm working also with some nonprofits that I want to create to bring art and music and expression to communities where, you know, music programs have been taken out because I feel like it's very important. um, That's an incredible point. I was recently um, with the entertainer Neo in Atlanta, Mm -hmm. Um, following his um, the Compound Foundation's work, and one of his philanthropic missions is to increase the number of sound studios and recording studios that are in the foster care group homes because mm. he feel very feels very strongly about the the need for youth to have access to their creative um, to developing their creative their creativity. And yes. that the music is music is a way for them to excel and succeed in life. And while we were at the grand opening of the first of these studios at a foster home, it was absolutely mind blowing, Daisy, how um, talented, how much talent was in that one, that just that one group home, 
and the attentiveness that he and his professional associates were giving to their work and their creativity in such a short period of time of them having that studio there in the group home. Wow, that's amazing. I really love that. Yeah. Neil's saying good for that. So it's also you, therapeutic. It, it, yeah. It's like, how have you used music therapeutically, or how has it um, been a part of your own health and wellness journey? I believe, like, it's one. It's it's God's gift, like, to me. Like, I, I feel very blessed to have this gift. Um, it, it's very, it creates more creativity, and regardless of what you're going through, you always have an outlet the outlet is so important for anyone. I think everybody has an artist inside of them. Like when people say, oh, I'm not the singer or, oh, I'm not the poet, I'm not the painter, I'm not this. I believe we all have an inner artist just waiting to come out, and um, people should practice expressing that because it's not only like therapy, it's a, it's a release, and it also creates more creativity and more, it expands your mind, and it soothes you. And I just think it's it's, it's like, for example, with me, I've had some traumatic experiences in my life where music was what I turned to. Like, it was the only outlet or way that I could express what it was, what I was feeling. You know, because sometimes you can't just talk talk about it. It's it's difficult. So that was my way of expressing myself and keeping a inner harmony within myself and keeping me sane and grounded. There, um, this is not a direct quote, but there is a, a scene in the movie The Five Heartbeats, Robert Townsend's movie from back in the day. Yeah, I love and that. you know where he went through. He was a, a good songwriter, a very good songwriter, but there was a scene where he makes reference to someone telling him a critic in the in the press saying that he'll become a great songwriter when he lives more of life and has some hardships. Have you found that that has affected your own maturity and development as an artist? You know, it's it's a perfect example, like Mary J. Blige, and she was saying that how her records that were selling a lot were from traumatic experiences or when she was, you know, just having a difficult time in life, like drug abuse and just abusive relationships. That It's kind of sad that we as a society, we support when someone is going through something, you know, and they, they, of course, they have an outlet, again, like my point before, but um, I don't always now, as I'm older, I don't always look for, like, bad experiences because then you, I think you get used to that and then you'll create more of that. You become so addicted to it. You know, yeah. It's really a good, that was the next, that's where I was going with the question. I'm sorry to interrupt you. Keep going. No, no, no. No, no, it's a good, though, no, I like, I love having discussions like this because it's, we become addicted, and it becomes like we become like um, masochist almost, like the pain. We love to be in pain and go through it, so we are become addicted to situations that are bad for us, and then we attract more of that in our life. I believe in like what we attract, what we think of, what we give our energy to, then that will come. Like so, I'm a very aware and mindful of what experiences I'm putting out there. You know, even though of course it's things that are uncontrolled that just happen. And in that case, you know, if I choose to share it, then I'll choose to share it. But um, I'm very mindful of what am I putting out there as, as an artist. I feel like I have a responsibility. How how do you find that balance, though, when um, the pain is rewarded 
with accolades and, that are d defined as being successful albums or CDs, how, how do you do find I... that? How do you find that balance of being able to achieve um, your own awareness and your defining your own success that's not always linked to pain and suffering? Well, it's funny you said that because um, I actually have an album that's very like just really sad, and I I haven't released it for that same reason because I think. It's my own, it was my own expression to myself. But you're right, compared, you know, to other artists, like when they sold the most records was when they were just pouring out pain on these records. And I think it's very important that the artists find the middle ground and communicate with the audience, like, um, like don't get used to this, you know, this is just a period that I'm going through. Because that's what, we, you want the loyal fans that are going to be with you regardless, and they're going to go through the whole entire spectrum of the rainbow, like all your emotions, your all your life experiences, and accept the happy, the, the good, the bad, you know, like everything, not just one side, you know? Now, your your latest album, your latest CD, you can tell what generation I'm from, your latest LP. <laughs> <laughs> I miss those days, too. I, I agree with you. Your latest 45. <laughs> <laughs> okay, the poor Jack. Yeah, love affair with life, you know, and you're giving it away. You know, it's free. The listeners um, with Sylvia Global can go to your website, daisyviamusic.com, and they'll see a message from you inviting them to download seven incredible tracks and and make a contribution, you know, if they like what they're hearing. Well, talk to us about what, why that approach. Well, I just... I see that the way the, of course, the world is changing, music is changing, people are changing. We are in a world that we choose. We have more access to more choices now. Like we can be right now in another Skype with another person in another part of the world instantly and see be in a meeting or you're just you're just reaching a broader audience. So what I wanted to do by donations. And it's still free regardless, even if you can't afford it. But I believe, like, the listener has the right to discover me. Like, if they discover me and they listen to what they, you know, they listen to my album and it touches them and they love it, i rather them put a price on what they think it's worth to them. And it just works well for me because then I re reinvest it to myself since I am an indie artist. I'm no longer signed to the major record label that I used to be. It's 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 more like I'm being carried... Um, more authentically by the audience and they support me so I feel it's more powerful that way and it's more a connection because I get to connect to the people that really they, the word of mouth is so important to artists like myself like if you go to my website and you download the songs and you, and you like it and then somebody else hears it I'd rather give it to somebody for free that they may not have the money but they have one of those personalities that they, when they love something, they're just down with you for, for life, and they just tell everybody. So you never know. You don't want to cut off any streams of opportunities of people to broaden your, you know, your your audience, basically. That album, I made it, like, over over eight, uh, over the seven last, over the last seven years. Some of those songs are even from, like, 2000. And I own the Masters, and I never was able to release it before. It was an album that was going to come out, world record, you know, it was going to be released. 
um, through a major record label with, you know, the producer Michelangelo and there's Chris Harvey on there. And we never got to that point. And I had this album just sitting there. And anytime people heard it, they were like, can I have a copy of that? Can I have a copy of that? So now being the Internet, you can reach people so much faster. And I do, I would like to make some prints of it to give away, you know, exclusively. So I'll do that for some of your audience as well. Give away the album. Hello? That's um, absolutely amazing because are you finding that this is becoming an, a common approach uh, for Oh, indie yes. Artists? Oh, my God. Yes. There's a, what is that website? Kickstarter? Yeah. It's amazing the things that have gone on there. Like some of the artists, some of the, it could be in fine art, it could be in, as directors, as nonprofits, as artists. It's just telling you where the power is. It's shifting from the major record labels to the consumer. Well, Daisy, talk to us about your health journey because I happen to, you know, know personally that you've, you know, had some medical challenges that have really taken you into a whole new wonderful experience in life. Yes, yes, and yes. I, I can talk for hours about this health because, um, of course, you know, being – my first calling, I, besides music, was I always loved holistic medicine or natural, you know, healing medicine. When I was younger, I wanted to go to school for that. But then when I found out about the pharmaceuticals and all that stuff, it just didn't sit well with me. Not to say that all pharmaceutical medicine is bad, but some of the side effects just would hurt. It just hurt my heart to think, if I give you something for this, but then I'm, it's going to make something else, you know, worse or worsen or, you know, your condition may heal or whatever. I was thinking of actual prevention, like how do we prevent getting there? I said, because I would see, like, family members getting sick. Um, I had uh, a few medical issues, and I was like, what is it that is causing this? And I would start walking through markets, and I just start seeing how the food um most of the food in the markets is, aside from the, of course, fresh produce, is not alive. It's like dead food. I'm not, you know, I don't judge anything or anyone by what they eat or drink, but this was my own analysis, what I was seeing. And I was like, who am I not to put things to help my body rejuvenate itself? Because God created our bodies to rejuvenate, and we are what we eat, and our our health is our wealth. Like, you can have all the money, but if you don't have your health, it's not are, that you can. Hmm? What are the benefits that you've been experiencing? Some of the benefits, I mean, my, I've, like, of course, maintaining uh, amazing weight, like um, my skin. Because um, your skin is your largest organ, so whenever you see something going on, it's good to pay attention, you know. I have a lot of natural energy, Um I'm not, I don't feel, I never have a headache. Like, headaches are not normal. People are not supposed to be having headaches. Like, when I when I hear people like, oh, I have a headache, I have a headache, I can't, I can't. It's just all in how, what you eat and drinking, like, what, what like, for example, like, it's not good to drink while you're eating. So you, it's good to wait 15 minutes before and then 15 minutes after. Like, a lot of people don't know that. A lot of people are used to drinking their 
sodas, their juice, right, their, right. you know, when they're eating, they're so right. accustomed. But that is like a big no-no. You're not giving your own body a chance to digest To digest and actually observe the nourishment. Yes, exactly. Right. So what was the first step that you took um, once you had this awakening that you could be in control of your health and well-being? Since I love cooking so much, I love cooking. Like, I started noticing, like, certain ingredients in some of my favorite dishes. Like, if something calls for, like, butter, for example, I would get, like, organic butter. Or I would get um, olive oil instead or coconut oil. Coconut oil is an amazing miracle food. It kills parasites. It kills all kinds of things. It's just basically looking at my recipes and then seeing what I can imp- what can I do to improve each recipe, you know. And then it started becoming like something that my friends would call and ask me. And then the word just spread. And then people would be like, "Can I have your email? Can I send you a recipe? Can you recommend other ingredients instead of the ones that come with it?" And I was like, "Wow, <clears throat> I'm still thinking of actually doing a blog about it one day." But right, so right now I don't have enough time. But it, it's actually very interesting just how you can shift certain things like in your eating habits like I you know it's ingredients that's all it's mainly the main thing it's like what you're cooking with and you know listening to that that part so sometimes your body doesn't require you to cook everything you could lightly steam things you don't have to overcook things I don't have a microwave I got rid of my microwave I don't I, I use my oven a lot more I love to steam um, my vegetables, but I don't oversteam them. I take them off the the stove and I let them self cook. You know, it's just little things I started changing that can make a big difference. You know, how has this affected the rest of your family and their lifestyle? How have well, they responded to your my changes? <laughs> well, yes. some of them are, some of them are hard headed. There, it's you know. Yeah, I'll tell you, it's easier to have someone change the religion than to change the way they eat. Because I'm not saying that I, um, I'm not a complete, like, vegan, you know. I still struggle with certain things. Like, I love cheese, so I'm trying to find alternate, alternative ways of eating cheese. But, like, my stepfather or my mother or my, you know, my dad, <clears throat> being around, when I am around them, I just, you know, give them suggestions. I don't tell them what to do because they have, they're already set in their ways. But I always begin, like, if I can help cure you, would you listen to some suggestions I have? And sometimes they're open to it, and sometimes they're like, no way, I love eating meat, or I love eating this. And then it's having having to help them find an easier way to let go of the things that are causing the problem or contributing. Because you can just replace certain things, you know, like I said before, certain ingredients. Like this for that. Like, what are you willing to trade for that? You know, certain little, I do little bargaining things with them. I go through the refrigerator and I see what's going on. Even though they're seeing improvements, drastic improvements in your own health and well-being, they're still resistant to the change for themselves? Mm. Well, not for, not, they, they, a lot of people, they started asking, like, not just my family, but my friends, like, what are you doing different? Like, there has to be something that you're doing different. And that's even more, I think, 
engaging them, when someone's engaged on their end, instead of you engaging them and going to them, it's more, you have their attention more because they really want to do it for themselves. And I believe that that's the key. You also started incorporating herbs and other supplements because you referred me to a great place and I got great results. Oh, dragon herbs? Yes, I love dragon herbs. They're great. Did you have? Um, did you go there for consultation along with other places? Yes, yes, and I just it was just a, it just resonated well with me. Resonated. I felt like they they took the you know my paws. They looked at my tongue. They knew things that I already knew about. So that's how I knew. I was like, oh, they know that I have a blood deficiency, or my blood needs to be stronger, or <clears throat> my vocal cords, or you know just. It's just they have a lot of great herbs, you know, that that they can they recommend. But there was a book that I was recommended to me by a friend, and he would hear me talk, and he'd say, "Have you read a book by David Wolf called Eating for Beauty?" I was like, "No." And then I and he goes, "Because it sounds like you talk a lot already, like as if you have." And I was like, "No, I guess when I picked up the book." I was like, wow, most of the stuff I already have been studying. It's basically the more alive your food is, the better it is for you. you it's know, the process of aliveness. Mm-hmm. It, it, our ancestors knew it very well. You yes. Know, and although they may not have had some of the modern conveniences that we had, they had the um, the natural gift and exposure to the simplicities of our body in order to keep it from becoming, um, you know, encountering certain diseases and being able to heal. And, yeah. you know, it becomes, you know, a challenge in modern day kind of trying to find, again, that balance between Western medicine, modern medicine, and uh, what is now known as alternative approaches, which were the original approaches, you know. And, and it exactly. seems like what I'm hearing you share with the audience today is that the power, the you know, we have the power and the ability to gain knowledge and yes. to be our own advocates of health and well our health and well being as mm-hmm. well as taking alternate approaches um in order to assure our health and well being. And it may not necessarily be an easy process, but a a, a greatly rewarding one, um yes. as the healing yes. occurs. Oh, Daisy, I'm so sorry that we're, you know, we've ran out of time. I have a lot of additional questions that I want to have you answer and share with our audience. You know, give our listeners some closing advice around and best practices in your life around your health and them finding their own voice in whatever that creative path may be. One of my biggest, number one, is I do not um, support, like, any... Nutrisweet or anything like Wanda or anything that has aspartame in it, do not consume that. Like it's just, it doesn't. It's not better for you just because it says diet. If you really want to have a soda, go for the real organic. Like just have the soda that is not sugar free because any of those Nutrisweet or Splenda or whatever they have aspartame and that is so bad. You can just look that up online. The side effects of that. Just changing that and then changing from short, you know, I'm, I'm sure a lot of people, I'm not sure what they cook with, but trying to cook with, like, um, olive oil or coconut oil is a good alternative. Um, instead of always having different processed dressings, make your own dressings, like apple cider vinegar. 
with lemon and add your own. Have fun and be creative in the kitchen. It's an expression. It's for your body. It's for your wealth. And you, you, your body will thank you because we are living longer, but it's better to live longer with less aches and pains. Like we are capable. We come from, we're greatness. So we have to remember our bodies are great and we must eat for greatness. So yeah. It sounds like you have a love affair with your own life. Within your yes. life. <laughs> Thank it's you so key, much for being here. It's very important to love myself. It's, I love everyone, and I love my. I, it's, if I don't love myself, how can I be in servitude to help my fellow human? You know, what would be my purpose of living on earth? If you weren't my able ultimate. to love to love others and to love yourself yes. the way that you love others, you love the um, others so passionately and deeply. Thank you so much for being here today. We hope you'll come back and join Thank us again. Thank you. Yeah, I would love to. This, Thank you so much, Daisy. You're listening to Sylvia Global. This broadcast um, can be heard on sylviaglobal.com radio. You can also learn more about Daisy at her website, daisyviamusic.com, and download for free. Make you know, make a contribution though, because it's a wonderful album. Uh, at you know, her new CD, Love Affair with Life. Seven incredible tracks, and follow those health tips that she's provided as well. Um, if you don't take care of yourself, then you know the rest of the world will be missing you and missing the best parts of you. Uh, follow us on Twitter, like us on Facebook, and join us again here on sylviaglobal.com. Thanks, Daisy. Have a great day. Thank you. You too. Bye. Love you. Love you too. This episode is made possible by PwC. A robot may not be coming for your job, but competitors are coming for your market share. At PwC, we pair the right tech with the right solutions to help you gain a competitive edge. Reimagine operations from the cloud, fuel innovation with responsible AI, and detect risks before they become headlines. That's human-led and tech-powered. It's all part of The New Equation. Learn more at thenewequation.com.